Hello and welcome to the Pressing Matters podcast. That was very exciting. Uh, I'm Sam Hyde. I'm joined by Terry Priestamere. Hello, Sam. It's very. It's a very exciting day. That's so. No wonder you're so excited. To be honest. Sorry. Carry on. Uh, yes, we're here to talk about the week's football. Uh, we're recording this on the day of the big match between Arsenal and Manchester City, and other games. It's the Premier League final. It kind of is. So we're going to try and predict that a little bit. Obviously, the podcast is going to come out after the game has finished, uh, so you can see if we were right. But we're also going to talk about Arsenal's uh, Arsenal's draw to Southampton, because that has implications on everything. And it was really interesting, I thought, uh, if you're detached from it. Yeah, well, could we also just throw in that we're going to talk about... Um... From from good football teams to the bad football teams, Chelsea and Spurs—they'll be getting some. Don't think that they—they're escaping without. You know, they're in the clear. They're not, Sam. We're going to be all over them as well at some point today. I'm going to make sure of it. Oh, good. I look forward to it. There's so much going on, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna do this chronologically and talk about uh, Arsenal. He went three one down to Southampton. It's relentless, Sam. It's it's reviews and previews. You know, it's tough. It's tough to fit it all in. We're gonna start with the old, and it might be like a cool movie where the the past, uh, the the flashbacks affect the present day. Um, because Arsenal drew to Southampton. It's three draws in a row for Arsenal. Sorry to interrupt and again. Did you say Paul the movie? No, a cool movie. I don't think that oh, happens sorry. in Paul. I was going to say, I don't remember that happening in Paul, but I've not seen Paul the for Alien. a while. I didn't like Paul. It, it, it's, no, it's a, okay, I'm just going to move on for that. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Break down Paul for a second for me and why you didn't like it if you want. Well, the only, uh, you might remember this actually. I think it was with you. The... The only time I've seen Paul was I watched it immediately after Hot Fuzz and uh, Shaun of the Dead. And it's not as good as either of those movies by a long way. And when it's the third one that you're watching like in a row, it's quite tedious. Right, I see. Did I don't remember that. Did we watch them all back to back? I think it was at your house with with our friends. Right. I think it was at your house. Okay. Sounds like the kind of weird stuff that happens at my house. So, um, yeah, sure, we'll go with it. Uh, okay, well let's let's talk about this Arsenal game because uh, there's been a lot of a lot of negativity since it, and that's fair because Southampton are the bottom team. They went two 0 up, they went three one up, and then it wasn't until sort of the last uh, few minutes of normal time when Arsenal uh, came back into it. Really, I think one thing that's uh, really interesting about this result is that. There's like a knockoff, not knockoff. There's a knock-on mentality from Arsenal's last three games because um, they drew against Liverpool after being two up. They drew against West Ham after being two up, and now they go three-one down to Southampton and eventually come back to get a draw, which is kind of a, a bad result, really. And like each result is getting worse, and it feels like sort of like a Kafkaesque downward spiral and. Uh, I thought I find that very interesting going into the Manchester City game because, um, you know, it, I, I watched the movie Old Boy recently, and I could just feel like if Arsenal lose to Man City, uh, is it could just be like an overwhelming of of, of trauma. Uh, so I find that very interesting. Are you telling Are you telling me you're going to fall apart so much you're going to get relegated? No. But it'll be four games in a row, which have been very emotionally devastating. Yeah. And the end of the season, to carry on the odd boy analogy, is just going to be us in the snow staring at trees. Very sad. So th- there's that side of it. Um, so, but so the, got, okay. Oh. So, so hang on. Let's can we quickly just break that down a little bit now? Yeah, sure. There's I was the... going to give you some stats to to be more positive, but we can do the the negatives. Well, yeah, well, you can start attacking me in a sec to, to, to refuel yourself going into tonight's game. But the, the mental toll, right, that this has taken on this team 
I assume, is quite nuts, really. You know, the, the, the Anfield result, and then after the Anfield result, it's like, oh, we'll see if that's a good point or not at the end of the season. And then it's the West Ham draw as well, you know? 2-0 up, capitulation once again. And then instantaneous capitulation from Arsenal. It's quite a phenomena for a team who have been on this, riding this crest of positivity and a fantastic mentality all season. You know, when when you when you fall, you fall hard. You know, it's that kind of it's that kind of uh, yes. thing. It's that kind of like. But but what I will say is that then Man City around the corner is maybe the perfect game. Well, it's not the perfect game, but it's it's a completely different game. I think it's actually maybe good timing to have it. Or as good as it can be with the run of results that you've had, right? Obviously, you'd rather be going into it absolutely flying. But on the flip side, if you get something here, it's a reset button. And as a Liverpool fan, and and putting this into some sort of context that I can kind of relate to, when Liverpool have been doing... have uh, In the past few years, even when there have been the seasons where Liverpool have been not good enough consistently to actually challenge. So we're talking like COVID year when Alisson scores the header to put us to, to keep our top four hopes alive and we end up scraping top four. This season, you know, there's been capitulation and we've but but in those big games we've still been present and difficult, you know? And and this is a completely different game to West Ham and to Southampton. And that's a daunting thing because it's Man City. But also I think there is a good thing about that as well. Yeah, well, it's, it's a great opportunity, obviously. And Arsenal under Arteta have been a lot better against uh, the bigger teams than they were during the end of the Wenger era. Do you want me to give you these, these stats? Hit me with the stats. For a while. Hit me with the stats. In the last 10 league games this season, uh, Manchester City have won 25 points. Arsenal have won 24 points. Arsenal's last 10 games, they've got seven wins and three draws. So, uh, you know, these three games, Liverpool, West Ham and Southampton, if they were like jumbled in with those seven wins, if you shuffled they'd probably the deck, feel a lot more positive. Exactly. You've just drawn three aces in um, a row. So to be unbeaten in 10 sounds great, but people are talking about it being three games, not one in a row. Um, so there, yeah, there's, you can be the pessimist or the optimist about how Arsenal are doing. Manchester City are obviously doing one, one point better. So two very good teams. I'm, I've been very interested to see that, uh, the fantasy Premier League consensus has been to Captain Haaland this week. Um, I, I feel like these three games have put a real big dampener on people's opinions of of Arsenal this season and uh Arsenal have been one of the poorest teams on the stats for goals conceded in the last few games but I think there's a difference between the team having a bad defense and having a defense that is making a lot of errors and um it'll be interesting to see if these defensive errors are something that carries on in the Man City game I agree a system a functioning system still doesn't mean that you can't concede howlers. You know? Um, so I do get what you're saying. In terms of the Harlan consensus, yeah, I myself captained Harlan, but I think I think that's a separate thing on the sense of, like, it doesn't really seem to matter who the opposition is. He seems inevitable. You know? And and had it be, would it be Saliba fit? You know, I think there'd be a, more of a debate. But right now... I think Haaland just seems to be in this kind of vein of form where he could be against the best defence, well, one of the greatest defensive teams of, of all time and you just think that, well, he's going to get a chance because of the Man City team and he'll take it. I don't I don't know if there's too much linked to... I, I made that decision not based off the fact that Rob Holding, you know, is playing and so, you know, could he get advantage of him? I just, think, I just thought, uh, well, he scores all the time, doesn't he? And he probably will score and I yeah, nearly so even triple captained him really that'd be insane there's doubles coming up just want to go back to the uh, 
Saints game. Did you watch it, by the way? I watched from, I think, minute 20-odd onwards. And I want to say, the second goal for Saints, I think it is. Which one's Theo Walcott's goal? Yeah, second goal. The 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 ball and the run is is so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, well, uh I want to talk about this because I I've been watching Alcaraz for a while, I'm going to say. I w- I wish I'd mentioned him earlier on the podcast. But I think he looks really really great and obviously he was uh incredible in this first half against Arsenal. Like Saints Saints's best player. Uh and then he got taken off at half time. Um, so I did want to like just go through the tactics a little bit for Southampton because like in that first half, um, they played like this four three three, and the three attackers were all like really high on Arsenal's defence, and then they backed that up with the midfield following in in the press as well. And um, we spoke last week about our teams of the season, and I was saying that Gabriel has been better than Saliba this season. But I think having a team really go and press Arsenal at the back was uh, just showed massive problems in the drop-off with bringing Rob Holding in. Um, because obviously you're losing that. Uh, Arsenal's build-up was really bad. I think our midfield has been been bad for a few games as well, really. Like, Xhaka missed this game. Odegaard was really good at the end, but uh, I don't think he's been great for the last few games. And Thomas Partey's been been bad as well so like basically our entire back seven like really struggled with with the build-up in that first half against Southampton uh, and then at half time he takes Alcaraz off and then Ruben Sayers goes to this this like back five suddenly so I wanted to like know what you thought about that because it seemed kind of crazy with how well the the press was working in the first half I think I think the thing with with pressing high at the pitch yeah, it does seem crazy because you shouldn't go and start defending the lead because the way you played is what got you into the lead. And and look, I didn't see the the start, the very start of the game, but I mean, apart from the sort of hectic, I suppose, second half, really, I can't think of too many sort of clear-cut chances that were just howlers from Arsenal players where they, they cut through and then and then just didn't take high expected goal opportunities right southampton southampton won the xg in the first half by a decent amount so you're clearly stifling the opposition's attack you know because of the the high press that you're employing but then the the difficulty is of it it's it's so on a knife edge that if you start miss and against a team like arsenal if your timings then are off or if you get tired or if it, it doesn't click the way it has for let's say the first half you can be completely cut open if you if you start arriving to players a yard late you know the technical ability on the pitch for arsenal means that you're playing completely through it and 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 you're in you're in big big trouble so although i'm not one who's like a fan of changing things up midway through like drastically changing things up and going away from what's actually brought you the success and the lead. I do think when it comes to sort of pressing high and aggressively, if it's wrong, it can be very wrong. That takes me back to the game against Villa where Liverpool lost 7-2 because we were pressing so aggressively constantly and we weren't quite getting there. But we would still go for it, but you could just pop it around as easily. The same way the Hassenhutl thrashings, the nine nillers. I remember him afterwards, I think I've said this before on the on, on the pod, but him afterwards saying the, the high line wasn't the problem. The problem was that the line wasn't high enough um, to be compact high up the pitch. So, so you know, if, if you do go in high press and you're concerned that it's unsustainable for the 90 I can understand why you might come away from it and he's a young manager you know who 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 is still learning an awful lot um 
And also, I don't want to make it all about Liverpool, but something where we've actually improved since the second half of the Liverpool ge- uh, of the Arsenal game, sorry, since half time at the Arsenal game, Canate and Van Dijk in the last two and a half games have just started like practically stepping into midfield to go and win balls, to go and follow people in and, and battle in there. And it that was part of what pin, pinned Arsenal back against Liverpool was that we had we were pressing so high but centre backs were just following in to go with it. And it's that kind of idea of like if you're getting un if you if you're pressing high but getting undone, really you need to press even higher maybe. But 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 that's but it's uh it's double or nothing. It's high risk, high reward, right? So I don't and and the psychology of being bottom of the league away at Arsenal and three one up it's probably not too surprising, even though it's it was the wrong decision ultimately. It's probably not too surprising that he went for it. Well, they were only two one up when they went to the five oh. as well. But it, oh, sorry, yeah, it it would have been such a uh, such a big win if Southampton could get it, because now it looks like they're they got a point, but it looks like they're a little bit in danger. I mean, when I say a little bit in danger, I mean it's very likely that they get relegated. Yeah, um, but you know what? I I've been thinking about this relegation scrap, and I was having some conversations over the weekend and stuff. Two wins, back to back wins, and you move yourself from from bottom to out of the drop zone. And West Ham, I'm pretty. Did they get two back to back wins? And that's what lifted them out. They drew against Arsenal, and then they beat uh, Bournemouth. Okay, is there another game since? So not. Oh no, there was another game. Another game since then, wasn't there? I think so. Yeah, they beat Fulham. Yeah, and Bournemouth had back-to-back wins, I'm pretty sure, because they beat Spurs and they beat someone before, right? Because that relegation scrap is turning into... But it's like they're all taking it in turns to win two, or or like pick up at least four out of six, and then they kind of drag themselves out of the bottom three, but then it will be like another team's turn to do it, right? So, for example, if Southampton went and won two back-to-back, they'd be on 30 points, which, okay... Fair enough, Leeds are on 30 as well and they would have had a game extra played to hit that 30 points. But there's nothing saying that Leeds would win their their, their next game then to, to go above. And you've got Leicester behind on 29 and Leicester have just won. So if they went and won their second, they're up to 32. So it's it's so tight down there because it's all just constant leapfrogging. And okay, Southampton haven't been... They've been sort of at the foot of the table consistently whilst everyone else has been shuffling around. They've never really allowed themselves to be completely cut adrift. It is five points now, the gap to make up with six games to go, but they've got a game in hand on Leeds and Leicester. So, look, it's a big if, but they could they could cut it to, to three or four. Hmm. Yeah, it's possible. It's all ifs, buts and maybes, hey? Yeah. I'm sure they would have felt a lot better with a win. <laughs> but there was the, the very exciting end to the game where I I believed for a moment. It looked like it was going to be before. Uh, I just want to talk about uh, a Gavin Bazunu stat I saw today. Okay. Uh, from Opta. Gavin Bazunu took an average of 43.7 seconds before each goal kick which accumulated to 13 minutes and 6 seconds of time wasted over the game, which is the second highest wasted during goal kicks. Can I just say, I'm fuming about this as well, because I saw what was happening, right? And I lumped on at half-time. Oh, I lumped a bit of money on him to get booked. It's insane. Because I just thought it seemed inevitable, and then he didn't even, didn't even get booked in the end. I was fuming every time I was, I was counting down with you. Uh, getting the ref to have a word I just I just thought he'd absolutely take the booking and uh, as he should have done but it was like he tried to take the booking you know he's holding on to the ball for 13 minutes he's tried to take the booking but um, yeah yeah it was absolutely terrible because uh, I've seen this happen before like Emmy Martinez uh, against uh, against Arsenal just taking so much time constantly and the 
the the referees just like put their hand up or whatever, but they don't actually do anything about it. Um, so yeah, that was annoying. It was a very frustrating game in a lot of ways because. You know, there were like all these little moments where it's like, could Jesus have scored there? Could Thomas Partey have not shot from like 30 yards at the end? Uh, yeah, but you know, it, it it's a point and it's not over because if Arsenal win tonight, it's looking a lot better. I think it's in Arsenal's hands uh, still. So still, you still believe in her? Huh? Got us. Well, no, not really. But this is the thing, like, you know, like, it's just been three games now and everyone is uh, non-Arsenal fans and actually a lot of Arsenal fans too are being really negative about everything. Like, I saw Piers Morgan and Nick Knowles, who are like, I guess, the right wing of the Arsenal fan base. Uh, Do you remember Nick Knowles? Do you remember him? From... uh, Nick Knowles from... Uh, yeah, I thought you said Nick Knowles, like the 60-minute makeover guy. Yeah, but it's not that. It's the show that isn't as good as that. Yeah, but it's still Nick Knowles, right? He's just a different... What do you mean? No, he doesn't do... Does he? I thought he was on a different show. I I feel like Nick Knowles used to do the home renovation shows. I think he did DIYSOS. I don't think he did... It was Peter Andre on 60-minute make- makeover, apparently. I think he also well he did Who Dares Wins Break the Safe that didn't that didn't last very long. Is DIY SOS the same thing though? No, it's totally different. I don't know how. But anyway, so these you know these kind of people were t- uh, tweeting these things, basically saying like, oh, all the Arsenal players are scum because of this five second video of them with a mascot and it went like crazy and. Uh, you know, like the dad of the the girl who is the mascot actually had to post and say, like, here's a photo of my, my daughter having, like, a really good time and she really enjoyed it. And, like, there's just all these... There's all this noise now on, on Arsenal. And it'll, obviously it'll be really interesting to see how they react to it. But, um, yeah, for me personally, I'm I'm still, like, staying quite positive about whatever happens this season. Like... If it, you know, obviously it could just completely implode. But assuming that Arsenal get second, is something to be really positive about. And so, um, yeah, the the City game is obviously going to match a lot, and I'll probably get quite stressed during it. But at the moment, I'm not feeling like it's going to be a disaster. Like there's a bit of like inner peace. About it all, I guess. I think if you can't enjoy it now, then you would never ever enjoy it. You may as well just stop being a football fan or go and support like Luton or someone, you know? Because you're not going to really. I think they're they're right, Luton, are they? I think they would. Yeah, a lot, they? I think they. Are. I think Did they're it? they're in the playoffs. Um, but but okay. But the point being, Sam... sorry, shade. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just felt like you shaded Luton for some reason. Okay, but okay. All right, go and they're support third, some. Mate. Yeah, they're third. they're third. Okay, but they've not they've not been up for ages. They're enjoying it. They're enjoying the run and everything. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully they go out this year. But you know what I mean. I'm not gonna what? lose sleep over it. And I reckon, well, is Luton it? fans will be losing sleep over it. But the point the point I'm trying to make, right, is that is this like Luton's best ever season or something? Is it? Uh, you're really clinging on to Luton here. Okay, okay. Torquay or something like that. Tranmere. Oh, don't talk about Torquay or Tranmere like that, Sam. I don't know how they're doing. No, 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 but I understand. Okay, point being, right? If you can't enjoy it while it's going well and you're in a title race because you might not win the title, then you're never going to enjoy it. This Man City team aren't going to drop off. And it's not like Arsenal's last ever chance. Yeah, you've got a young squad who are only going to get better... You're recruiting in smart ways. Okay, it's frustrating because of how good it's been. But it's only frustrating because of how good it's been. So do you want to just not enjoy it and be miserable and just stay at like sixth? Or do you want to do you want it to count and do you want it to matter and do you want it to hurt? You know, it, it hurts because it's good. I feel like there's kind of a dichotomy in how people are... Actually, I'm not sure that's the right word because it's like 
people are trying to have their cake and eat it with Arsenal a bit. It was like, uh, oh, Arsenal will never win the league. City are always going to come back and win it. Like, we've had this all throughout the season. Gary Neville's mentioned it a lot, obviously. Uh, you know, when Arsenal were top at Christmas, it was like, well, Man City are going to go into better form and Arsenal are going to drop off. And now it's got to the point where it looks like Arsenal were closer to winning it and now they're dropping off and people are saying, like, oh, Arsenal are bottling it. And it's like, you can't really have it both ways. It's either... No, but you can, Sam, because it, of one it, reason, you know I mean? football tribalism. People will say any sort of nonsense to to stick the the knife in to stick the you know to 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 goad and and probe and 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 annoy you know that's just that's football tribalism that's what it is and objectively absolutely you're right it's it's madness that people can laugh at arsenal but in for some like spurs fans it makes it all the more beautiful i well yeah i don't know how they're feeling actually spurs fans i mean depressed it's terrible for them it actually is like objectively Um, yeah it's nuts because second place will be seen as worse than fourth place by by rival fans and by some Arsenal fans the the right wing brigade of Arsenal fans that are Piers Morgan and Nick Knowles you know meltdown central I'm sure but you know anyone anyone who has a brain or anyone who actually chooses to not just be a wind up which is what everyone wants to be anyway, is just be a wind-up. You know, that the culture of football is such that second place is worse because it means you've bottled it and it was all going so well. And it's all the more... And all these Spurs fans will be even more gleeful because you got so close. And it's yeah. the hope... Man United fans as well. By yeah, way. United fans as well, even though it's City who are going to potentially do a treble and win it for three years in a row. But that's just... Yeah, this is the thing, like, Pep's City are so... If they win this one, like, that is a lot of league titles he's won in a short space of time. And, you know, the their squad depth is really coming through now when you're seeing that, um, you know, and Xhaka and uh, Saliba are injured. And Tommy Asu. It's really, really costing us. Um because, yeah, you do feel like if Tommy Asu even was fit, then Ben White are centre-back with Gabriel, like, last season. Pretty good. I think if you look across squads... Uh, I mean, I'm, I've j- I just had United in mind there as well, to be honest, who've been sort of decimated centrally with Martinez, Varane, um, Eriksen, Casemiro suspensions... Fernandez is now potentially injured. You know, Mark Rashford was out for a little bit. You know, injuries are so common and games are so frequent, and yet it's only really Man City who can deal with it. And they and they pick up less injuries because of the amount of talent at their disposal and the amount they can rotate and still be such a dominant force. You know. It's, I mean, Ten Hag just doesn't rotate, really. It seems as well. He just plays Rashford like every single game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 you know they're they're feeling the effects of certain things, you know, now. And things will only get tougher as well as they, with the Champions League, if they if they qualify for that. Obviously, you can strengthen the squad and things, but there's less rotatable games. Yeah, a decision then needs to be made on. Because you can't start going a week away at the Burnabout or something like that, um, to make sure you do well against West Ham at the weekend. Um, but it's all pretty fascinating. Um, but it does seem like the only team that can keep up with the fixture list is is Man City. Should we do our predictions for the game? Yeah, I've been really. I don't. Okay. Well, can we can we can we can we talk first about the key battles? Do you think? And that could lead into our predictions. Okay, well, that's an obvious one. Harland holding, yeah. Yeah. I will say, actually, holding uh, does get up for a battle. Like, because against Southampton, his issue was his uh, his passing ability and that he was a bit of a dead spot. It kind of felt like Ramsdale just chose not to pass to him for the mistake in the first minute. Uh because Holding was like very open, and then there was a lane to uh, to Ben White from there. Uh, 
So that is an issue. But I feel like if Arsenal are on the back foot against City, then Holding isn't that bad. He's still definitely worse than Saliba. But, you know, you could put him in a, a lower half Premier League team and he'd be pretty great. So, yeah, I'm thinking back to when Arsenal played Holding against uh, Spurs at the end of last season, where Holding got sent off, which I thought was like a really harsh sending off um, because Son was giving it as much as Holding was. Um, so I think it would be really physical between them. Well, also, Holding played in the cup against Harlan and did OK until his booking, I believe. And it was that similar thing of him going in and battling. It was the it was the game. I remember being like, oh, why are... Uh, City and Arsenal playing for the first time this season and in the two most in four teams and it's in the cup the first time that they're playing and Holding played because it was a cup game and he did well but when the yellow came in it was it, it meant he couldn't go and sort of battle and be tight as much it felt like I, I'm predicting that Holding is going to be judged more harshly than Holland because of optics uh, this seems to happen where like Holding Holding and the the attacker are just like jostling a lot, and it it seems to be that Holding gets punished more than I think he should be. Well, I'm not um, going to go into all that. I think the attackers get a, uh, sometimes get a lot of benefit, and sometimes sometimes the centre backs get to just do whatever they want to players. They do, but I think like you, if you watch when Holding does it, watch Holding tonight, it'll it'll be. I'm guessing a lot of like uh holding. Well, holding will be doing it, it, a lot of holding. He's called Rob Holding. But no, but it's not like cuz there's a thing where the center backs just grab the attackers like around the chest from behind. Like I don't think Holding will be doing that a lot. Like I think he's a lot smarter or a lot less obvious with it. I think it'll be lots of like little little second half second mini grabs. Yeah. And I th- I think he's going to get punished harsh for that because Holland is going to be shoving him in the shoulder as well all the time um, so they, they tend in those situations they tend to give the uh, the decisions to the player that is on the ball um, it's going to be interesting to see how City will choose to build up um, is, is Ake fit? I don't think so so it was I think Laporte will play on the left unless he does something funky with Bernardo Silva but I don't think you can take the risk with Saka down that side so it's going to be interesting to see who plays in Nathan Ake's role it's going to be interesting to see if they do that to be fair with John Stones playing at right back and stepping into midfield and it'll be interesting to see if Arsenal press aggressively how that works because John Stones done very well in there but there's no doubts that it it could be an area to get at, right? I was just going to say that Ake was really good against Saka last time. Mm. Was it the cup game when Ake scored and he just like dominated Saka? I think so. Um, yeah, so so that'll be an interesting matchup down that side. Stone stepping into midfield against a team that presses so as aggressively as Arsenal and, and dominated the ball against City like Arsenal did last time. It'll be interesting to see how how that works. It's the ultimate test, and if he sticks with it, and then obviously I suppose uh, the Harland the Harland situation with uh, Rob likes to be holding. Uh, is Shaka back now? Do we know? Uh, well, he had a fever, I think was the word, so it's unlikely. But it'll be interesting. It could be uh, it could be Trossard actually in the left midfield if Arteta's feeling cool. Uh, Fabio Vieira has shown a lot of technical promise, but he's getting bypassed a lot in games, um, particularly in the league. Uh, you know, more one for the future, it feels like. Uh, Emma Smith-Rowe has sort of been a non-feature since having his surgery, uh, which he had over Christmas. It's very strange what's going on there because... Uh, I mentioned this before, but people forget that Smith Rowe was our second top scorer last season uh, and was very good. And he's basically not featured at all this whole season. So uh, Score prediction. Yeah. 2-1 Arsenal. 
I like it. Oh. I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. No, I'm changing. Okay. I was thinking of maybe 3-2. But no, 2-1. I think... I put 3-2 in the group chat earlier. Kenji. I put 3-2 City in the group chat earlier. That's not fun. No. But I won't I won't break your heart on this, so I'll I'll say two two on this. Like City is the smart choice. But it feels like they they are gonna win. And Arsenal probably won't win. But I think uh Arsenal have been completely written off by most people. And uh who knows? And it, I think in all the in all the games that have led to you being totally written off, it's not like you've not been scoring goals. You know, so so let's. So it could be a it could be a thriller. It could be a thriller, uh, from one impending doom like breakdown, potentially, to another, which has actually happened. Sam, that's how I've segued from <laughs> Arsenal, a bro- to the a broken down. Yeah, from potential from a team that might break down tonight, to two teams that. Well, they'd need an engine to be able to break down. Yeah, well, um, there's rumours that uh, Pochettino is going to be the Chelsea manager. There is. Does that solve things, Sam, do you think? Poch coming into to Chelsea? Well, it's such a big problem to solve, isn't it? It's just like, it, it's been such a mess caused by the insane amount of players. Yeah, I think I think a new way of thinking is required, regardless of the manager. A new way of thinking is required, and um, the the transfer window will be probably more important than any manager appointment that they bring in. I think because they've got to trim the squad down, but who do they let go? But then they'll also want to bring in because Todd Bowley can't help but reach for his pocket. It seems so. It will be. I, I yeah. I think the summer it will be more important than. The manager, honestly. Yeah, but it's all about like sowing seeds until the end of the season as well, like getting something to uh, to build on for next year, I guess. Um, thinking back to what Arteta did when he came into Arsenal of just taking it to absolute basics, which uh, which Potter did try and do. He did try and simplify his his approach, and it. Uh, I did. I saw some stats of like their. Uh, I'm not sure if it was their XG or their threat, but it um it did it did tick up when Potter made it simpler, and then he got sacked. He went into that four two three one, and it was all very standard, wasn't it? It was like you you can all play football, you can all receive the ball under a bit of pressure, and give it to someone. Go and go and do your thing. Go and be happy and do your thing. But uh, no, they decided that Frank was the man, which is the scariest thing, I think. About everything. Yeah. Well, at least they only gave him an interim role. But he's getting getting replaced pretty soon if Pochettino comes in. It's... Uh, I mean, it's definitely interesting. I think it's not something you can judge at all this season if he does come in. You have to wait until maybe uh, October. Until you can properly have an opinion on it, I, I think. Yeah. I think you're probably you're probably right. A team you can definitely have an opinion on though is Spurs. What's your opinion on them? Well, obviously it was a hilarious match against Newcastle. Uh when when did they score the fifth goal? Do you remember what minute it was? It was insane, wasn't it? Uh it was something like twenty minutes in. Well that's what I thought. It was three nil and nine. I was gonna say twenty minutes, but that can't be right. Why? I can't be right. Why can't it? You can't score five goals in 20 minutes. It must, it must have been like 35. Okay, let's... Sam. Oh my it God, was it 21 was 21 minutes. <laughs> it was... The Willock, uh, the Willock assist as well is beautiful. For uh, Isaac's first... Oh, the outside of boot. Yeah. The thing is though, like... Uh, you're going to talk about Tottenham's defence, obviously. Because... Uh, the Willock pass is amazing, but Paris, well, it's good. But Perisic is absolutely nowhere. Like, even if it doesn't go to Isaac, there's someone on the right. It's probably Jacob Murphy, I guess. Uh, it's, there's just no defence at all on that left channel. And the fact that Stellini thought it was okay to play 
that back four with Perisic and Poro as fullbacks in quotation marks with a Dyer Romero centre back partnership. Like Dyer's not great. Romero is is obviously good, but uh, well, he's, he's been on holiday since go- since Argentina won the World Cup. It feels like, I guess. Yeah, and also is in a five normally. He likes to go out and close down. Yeah, people as well. He's aggressive, which so is fine just, in a fine or a three, whatever you want to call it. But it's just chaos of a back four, isn't it? Because Perisic is a well, it used to be like a striker, used to be a winger. Poro is definitely a wing back, and they concede five in twenty-one minutes from it. Like it's just like so obvious. I don't understand how he could deliberately do that unless you're like trying to be sacked it it's it, it was it was shocking against a good to newcastle a, a fantastic newcastle team but also a team that are so like direct and and aggressive in in their approach anyway you know you're just not getting away with it whatsoever it is it was it was shocking it was shocking i find it very funny that uh that kane scored his goal, just sort of completely takes it past uh, Cher, I think it is, and then finishes really nicely, just making goal completely on his own while his team is 5-0 down. Yeah, kiss the ring, give a little fist pump and trot back. And it's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to be out of here anyway. Don't worry about it. I'm still proving that I can it do my a little thing. Glibber. There's a lot of useless. I can't wait to leave. It was like the, the ghost of Christmas future for Kane. This is what could be happening next season if... It carries on like this. It was very nice. Yeah, we spoke last week about how how much they're going to drop. Like they've, they're in fifth at the moment, and you know Newcastle and Man United have games on hand on them. Uh, Brighton have three games in hand below them. Liverpool have a game in hand, so uh, it is happening. They this the slip is real, and I don't know if giving it Mace till the end of the season is is going to save them. I don't, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, we'll see, we'll see. He's had a crack at it before. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember anything good... about the last time he was the manager of Spurs. Well, you got to remember the uh, cup final. Oh, against, uh, yeah, the Pep. stats that they've brought up on the screen. <laughs> the trophies, uh, the trophies style, something was it? Yeah, oh, and it was like the wins. It was like, was it like games managed? Each though as well. It was yeah. his first game was the cup final. They sat Mourinho just before. It was very funny. Which is so the reason you get Mourinho in. Oh, it was so stupid. I don't really. I don't. They're a mess, and I just don't know how. I don't think you can afford to be that much of a mess anymore. We were speaking about this the other day. I don't know because of how much money is in the league and how intelligent teams have become like your Brentfords and your Brightons at squeezing that the extra percent out of everything they can whether it be set pieces recruitment scouting just manager appointments whatever it is that you want to look at that they do very well and you just look at Spurs and you just think well it. I get that you've got loads of money I get that Beyonce's coming to town but like there has to be an improvement in decisions or you will just slip down because you, I, I just feel like I, I can't see Brighton not building on this season. I can't see Brentford not continuing to progress. Fulham, you know, they, they looked, they've had moments this season where they've looked fantastic. You know, there's a pack that, uh, ever uh, sorry, Villa, you know, are going to keep improving and doing Naomi. Um, Lopetegui and Wolves, you know, the next season they could really, they could they could cause a lot of teams a lot of problems. Um, so it's inter- It's going to be very interesting. They all just look like teams on, with a with a, a a progress a progressive pathway in front of them, and I, and Spurs. You look at it and you think, wow, how did you manage to get this so wrong? If yeah, especially if Kane goes, it, it you know these these teams below them are serious uh, concerns. Yeah, um, but also like we've um, spoken before about uh, how good the the midfields are throughout the Premier League table. Like the lower half 
quality in midfield and they went to Newcastle who were in fourth with a midfield three of Oliver Skip, Hoiberg and uh, Saar, I've forgotten his first name, Papi Saar is it, is that his name? Papi Saar. And, uh, and uh, you know, that you've got a midfield three that is not of a, a quality compared to a lot of the teams in the rest of the league. And like even just looking at that back four as well, like the the game after it was um, on match of the day two, which I watched. The game afterwards was the West Ham game, who were very recently in the relegation zone, and their back four was Cresswell, Aged, and uh, Zuma and Sufal. And you just compare that to playing Perisic, Dia, Romero, Porro, and like God, yeah. West Ham's back four is so much better. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> defensively it's, certainly. It's, yeah, it's. I think also we've spoken about. Well, you 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 follow Conte down this uh, wing back five five at the back system, and you invest so heavily into it, and then it falls out of bed. Like, then this is what you're left with when you try and go back to a four to be able to maybe have an extra body higher up the pitch to press aggressively or whatever it is you want to do with that. Or whether it's just to to have more of an attacking uh, threat while still having control in midfield, you know, and still having sort of three to 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 be competitive in midfield and be able to dominate that and also have a front three, you know, then you've got to have a four if that's the the plan. But with that four, well, who is your four then if if you're going to do that? So they just seem like a team devoid of all long-term plan which is completely normal because they've sacked two managers in four games or whatever um but they just seem so far away from it in a time where so many teams are on the rise that i think it is it is scary um and they've shown no ability to bring in the right man at the right time for for a very long time so it just makes you wonder it's just going to keep getting worse for Spurs. Yeah. Like if Conte and Mourinho Nuno. have the same problems. Nuno, yeah, it's the same quality, isn't Well, he? uh, he's not the same ilk of manager, <laughs> but he's he wasn't the right appointment. The three goats, Mourinho, Conte and Nuno. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there, there is something like actually wrong behind the scenes. And, you know, they brought Paratici in and they've had to let him go as well because of uh, external factors. But he seems to have just been working with Conte to bring in as many wing-backs as possible. So uh, just everything is wrong. But hey, we can revel in it, we can enjoy it. And while they're celebrating Arsenal not winning the league, really they should be looking at some deep-rooted issues, you know. Well, I did want to. You've just reminded me actually that Daniel Levy, in one of his many club statements that have been coming out recently. Have you seen they, they say like a statement from Daniel as well? That really bothers me. Oh, do they? They just put a statement from Daniel on Twitter as if he's like the next door neighbour. Oh, like he's know? our best friend. Well, uh, well, Daniel said that uh, one of the achievements at Spurs was uh, finishing above Arsenal and uh, to have that come from your CEO. <laughs> Is an actual like positive of his time at the club. Shows the mentality. I just found it. I found it embarrassing. It's like Arsenal don't think about Tottenham like that, and uh, it's not what you should be aiming for. It just proves uh, it proves the shadow exists. Yeah. You know, because nobody cares about the shadow apart from the person who's in it. Nobody even notices the shadow apart from the person who's in it. You know. It's, it's very. It's very poetic. Thank you. Thank you. There's no appetite for Liverpool to be like, oh, we need to finish above Everton this year. No, it's, <laughs> it's normality. It's 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 the natural order of things. Yeah. I mean, Spurs have been finishing above Arsenal for a few years, but it, it was never like a goal for Arsenal to, to finish above Spurs. Yeah, like, and I think the, you know, the meltdown was always that Arsenal weren't winning trophies at that time. That was the meltdown. Not so much the meltdown being our oh, Spurs are ahead of us is, you know, bigger picture. We're not actually winning things right now. That needs to be changed. And with that, you will naturally finish above Spurs because, well, they don't win anything. 
three FA Cups. Well, okay, yeah, but you know what I mean, I think. Well, no, it, it was it was briefly like that for like a couple of seasons, and then we went on and won won three in a very short time. Yeah, and I think that's more relevant. You could finish below Spurs, but win those cups, and that's you know you don't actually get any a trophy for finishing if you're Spurs or Arsenal finishing above the other one. Exactly. There's no Calcutta Cup. What's that? Uh, I don't know. In Six Nations, when England play Scotland, there's a separate cup for whoever wins that game. I don't know about other sports. All right. Does that about cover it for uh, for this? I week? think so. I think so. We've got. I've got a. I've got the lab to go and set up. I've got about three monitors on the go. I'm gonna have Arsenal, Spur, uh, Arsenal City on the main one, Liverpool, West Ham on monitor B, and then uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm potentially gonna put on the the Chelsea game too because their lineup looks pretty hilarious, or Brighton because uh, they're playing Buenanote and Chelsea uh, Leicester, and starts, so that's kind of fun. The Chelsea Brentford. Okay. Well, I'm glad the City game gets the the monitor A. It will. It it's, will. Uh, yeah. And the whiteboards are up to to break things down. You know. Yes, we will deal with the fallout next week. Will uh, the Kafkaesque downward spiral continue? Will Arteta turn into an insect? Will our Will Spurs we'll, we'll win the out. Calcutta Cup? Uh Franz Kafka's Arteta Morphosis. That's the uh, that's the punchline. The what? We'll see you next week. Thank we'll you, Toby. See you next week. Bye bye. Goodbye.